Welcome to Foolish Voices, a Company of Fools podcast. Company of Fools is a professional theater company based in Sun Valley, Idaho, and is a proud part of the Sun Valley Museum of Art. More information can be found online at svmoa.org. Welcome to Foolish Voices. I'm Scott Palmer, Producing Artistic Director of Company of Fools. And on this show, we talk to a wide range of theater artists, both here in Sun Valley and all across the world, about how the current global health crisis is impacting their work, about their creative lives, and about their hopes for the future of our art form. Please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at svmoa.org. In this episode, we are talking with LA-based actor David Kepner. David is a very foolish actor who feels incredibly fortunate to be part of the foolish family, and that is a lot of Fs in one sentence. David is originally from Nampa, Idaho, and he received his BA in theater and secondary education from Boise State University, where he performed in numbers, uh, numerous productions on stage. He's also appeared on the Liberty Theater stage as Prentice in Company Fool's production of Peter and the Starcatcher. David is currently living in West Hollywood with his fiance Haley, completing his MFA in theater at UCLA's theater, film, and television program. Welcome to Foolish Voices, David. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, man, for having me. <laughs> uh, it's my pleasure. I was uh, uh, just commenting, you are uh, recording this podcast uh, on your balcony in West Hollywood. Uh, and I can see that the sky is gloriously blue and it looks like you're in a t-shirt, it it's warm. How's, it's how's a facade. LA? It's a yeah. facade. Is it just yeah, a green screen? It's, it's a beautiful uh, from above. And then once you get lower, it's like, well, let's just lift the camera up again. <laughs> so so uh, that does that mean that you're not living in the nicest of, of areas in West Hollywood? Well, <laughs> let's, let's, let's say it's nicer than a lot of areas here. So I'm very fortunate and lucky to have gotten the spot that I did. Uh, but uh, it's, you know, it's in close reach of everything. So, I mean, there's a grocery store, there's uh, uh, there's a couple of uh, wandering dogs. I can just go pet. We have a parrot. We have an apartment uh, neighbor parrot. I can just go talk to when I'm bored. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things. It's a, it's some, a West Hollywood menagerie. It's, it really is. You could write a, a, a whole screenplay based off this street, really. <laughs> and so. how, how is LA holding up during this time of global pandemic? You know what? Um, well, I haven't been outside much, um, but when it first started kind of going down or heading towards its peak, um, people weren't very, I don't know, what's the word? They weren't that worried or they weren't taking it seriously. Um, and that's when, you know, all the news outlets and like, hey, hey, this is happening. There's so many uh, there's a lot of uh, illnesses and people are catching it. It's like, watch out. And I think California was one of the first uh, states to um, order uh, masks as being mandatory items to wear in grocery stores and uh, uh, any public space. And so when that happened, everyone's like, whoa, whoa, and took a step back and realized what, how serious it was. Um, and so, you know, LA traffic's been the best it's ever been. Um, <laughs> so always so, looking, always looking for the upside. Exactly. So two miles actually should equal 
about maybe you know six minutes instead right. of an hour and a half right so that's a good thing but and and yeah. so uh i would imagine that everyone having to wear masks in hollywood is a real challenge because everyone in hollywood's so pretty and so proud of it you know what and i think that's uh, the downfall because a lot of people refuse to wear masks too and uh you know in grocery stores they, they have to but you know once they go out they take it right off so i mean right. It's, it's difficult, but oh, yeah, Hollywood. I know. What are you doing? <laughs> um, well, what do you do? You go there to be involved in theater, film, and television, which is what you're currently doing, right? You're you're there right. at UCLA's theater, film, and television program, which is uh, has to be said one of the best on the planet for this particular. Um, I hope the so. Form. Yeah, you. you you better you didn't you didn't look into that before you decided to apply <laughs> i mean yeah yeah um no it's uh it's, it's been very interesting over there um especially because uh the school basically shut down before the quarter ended last quarter and so everyone was like in their classrooms when a huge mass email shot out and was like hey so class tomorrow no, not so much. Not so much. no, you're going to be online on this thing called Zoom. Everyone was like, what's, what is a Zoom? And, uh, and so, yeah, and we were actually in the midst of um, performing The Rover by Ephra Ben. And we were putting on our second week. And uh, it was the first, the first day back into the second week on a Tuesday. And then, um, uh, we were told that night like oh hey it's closing night just uh tell your friends and family to come if they can uh because yeah the rest of the shows are rest of the shows are canceled so that was like a huge wake-up call of like oh my gosh this this thing is serious and it's affecting a lot of places and schools for sure because you know ucla is a public school so anyone can just show up and and pass anything to anybody uh so yeah, they they struck they struck fast uh, um, by um, taking this thing uh, as serious as it is. And uh, what which, what is the yeah. what's the plan for for you to continue? Well, first of all, let me ask this: How far along are you in your MFA? Is this your first year completing? You're close. Yeah, I'm close. I uh, I'm completing my this is my last quarter of my second year. Congratulations! Out of three years. Thank you. Uh, gotta and, gotta uh, love a well-trained actor. That's that's one of my favorite things. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how I do in the real world. Um, but uh, yeah, this is my this is the second quarter or uh, last quarter of the second year, and it's all online, which is interesting. And hopefully, my last year uh, will be in person. Um, that would be nice. But you know, we'll do what we have to do. And are you are you being sort of graded? Do you have to do performative? stuff as well like monologues or scenes or fight choreography right. yeah there were there were a few classes that had to be postponed because it just wasn't possible without being in person um one of those classes being uh, uh one of the things that the program kind of you know promises and you know boasts about is that the theater actors uh teams up uh get a team up with the film department and uh, these screenplays are created for the MFA actors to act in. So basically, we have scripts written for us, and then we act in them in like a professional setting uh, and professional cameras, and, and you know they'll edit it all quarter, and we get to put it on our reels and look really good and be like, hey, hire me. And uh, one of that was supposed to happen this quarter, 
but because of this, we had to kind of change it and it's now turned into like a Zoom audition class, mm. which is, you know, it's, it's very valuable in its own right because, you know, there's a lot of business and self-tape aspects that I don't know of and that I would, I'm curious about. Um, especially in the world of acting, you know, self-taping is becoming more necessary, I guess. And so it's a valuable skill to learn. But um, the class that it was supposed to be uh, is postponed and might not come back. Who knows? It depends on who's available and who's available to teach it and what the film students are up to. Right. So it's, uh, yeah. Well, I can, I can honestly tell you when we hold equity auditions here, uh at at company of fools i think last year before the beginning of last season uh-huh. we had something like 350 or 400 self-taped auditions sent into wow. us from all over the country so wow and and i will say that 349 of them were not very good so <laughs> hey there you go that's, so this that's could actually good. be a, a re- remarkable opportunity for students in the mfa program at ucla to kind of nail sure. that zoom audition stuff it's a blessing in disguise uh like i there's so many things like even at like using your computer like i I know you're not using your camera but i'm using mine and you can see like i'm i'm creating i'm i i'm like my own dp here where i'm like choosing my own light and i get a practice kind of in class what i look like in frame and we can instruct ourselves this way so you know zoom is helping us out there that's that's uh, actually really cool. I mean, obviously, you know that every theater company on the planet is rushing toward creating online and streaming content, right? Like everybody's doing as much as they can online, some of which is great and some of which is absolutely right. great. Um, right. Yeah. But we also don't know how long this is going to last. And and it's exactly. I'm really excited to be talking to you as someone who's currently in the program because one of the questions that I have, and I've been asking this of a lot of 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 actors who are finished with their training and are out there in the world trying to get mm. gigs, what this what this all sort of means for them. But I'm also really interested in what it means for sort of emerging artists like yourself, kind of early career, who are really throwing down and trying to get all the the excellent training and craft that they can. Are you are are you at all concerned that that you're the first year of your MFA was just skills that you're not going to need anymore? Or, I mean, how are you feeling about all of this as a as a soon to be out in the world jobbing actor? You know, that's that's a good question. Um, well, one of our the first year of our MFA training was kind of designed around creating our own work. Um, and it finished off, we capped it off with a devised piece that the cohort created. And so we were stuck in a room together for 10 weeks, you know, creating a script that we all had to agree on, um, uh, putting on, you know, putting our own stories together and mending them into one, uh, was definitely a challenge. And I think that using those skills that I learned, it's, it definitely doesn't go away. Uh, it goes in your tool bag and you you use it when it's necessary. And so, you know, thinking back to my first year, all those skills of like uh, uh, looking to looking into myself and finding who I am as an artist and trying to uh, uh, use those those skills that I you are uh, learned to kind of like flourish it out. Um, I think that's still relevant even in a pandemic of 
how we as an artist can uh, do a deep dive in ourselves and try to find uh, uh, things that matter and things or stories that uh, should be told in any sort of setting, um, especially a Zoom setting or an isolated setting. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think the skills that I've learned in my first year are going to waste at all. Um, and you know, there's a lot of physical work that is being jeopardized for sure. Mm -hmm. So, because we're doing Alexander technique, and how do you do that on a Zoom call? Right. Uh, and so, it's more about understanding the theory and putting it to practice on our own time. And uh, just it's a it's a it is definitely a time of reflection. And I think as, you know, actors in a big city, always going and going and going, you have to be able to be like, okay, I have time and it's important and it's valuable and it's fine that I can just take a moment to think about myself and reflect on what's happening. Um, because I think uh, a lot of our habits uh, uh, are, you know, consumed by being on time or or being there first or uh, uh, being being the one who knows everything or I don't know. But you know, this class is just teaching me that you know sometimes you can just take a break or not a break, like an active break, but like just just back up a little bit, reflect, and. Um, learn about yourself a little bit more yeah i i yes please actors in the world learn about yourself more before you it's <laughs> the world super helpful uh as a as a director i love actors who have looked inward and kind of have a resource and a you know an understanding of their skills and talents and what they bring to the table so yes good job do sure. that more of that <laughs> do more that please of that. do of that yeah so you are originally from nampa idaho and uh, and then you got your BA in theater and in secondary education from BSU. Um, yes. Talk to me a little bit about that interest in both theater and ed. Well, um, okay, so you don't have to if you don't want to. No, no, it's it's <laughs> it's um it's it's kind of a it was a weird loop. So I I went to an arts charter school for uh, from eighth grade and graduated. And you, you know, you have to pick a focus. So I chose theater, but you know, I was interested in dance and, uh, and choir. And I was originally gone to the school because I played drums for the jazz band. So I was like doing all of these artistic things, but you know, I found theater at, at, uh, at that school and I decided that was going to be my focus. And I don't know why it's just cause I, as, as a kid, I always liked playing pretend. And I promised my kid self that I would never really grow up because it's so fun. And so drama seemed like the best, uh, um, the best circuit or the best, uh, uh, I don't know, way to express that, that promise. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I don't know, I just, it just decided, it felt like the right thing to do. And so I, I decided to go to BSU, but you see, I didn't do well in high school. Um, I got, I don't know. I think my best GPA was like a 3.14. Like it wasn't great. And so BSU was like, yeah, we'll take you, but we'll, uh, we'll test you first. <laughs> so we'll give you seven, <laughs> we'll give you seven credits and see if you can pass that. I mean, like, yeah, I passed it. It was fine. 
but um, I I didn't become a theater major until like my third, like maybe almost before my first year ended. Um, and so I I was still exploring if theater was going to be my thing. And um, you know, my mom's an educator, my dad's an educator, and my mom always my I my mom taught me like in fifth grade, like I was. I was the 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 kid who my mom always blew kisses to, and I would get made fun of, and so that <laughs> that wasn't fun. But she, you know, she's an excellent educator, and she's an advocate for education and music education. So when she was like, you know what, you should think about doing education um, because what if this, you know, I support you, but you know, what if it doesn't really work out? And I'm like, you're probably right. So I, uh, I, I finished my theater credits at BSU and I got into the education program, but it wasn't, I had to, I had to try multiple times because you have to take this uh, praxis exam uh, to get in. And I, I failed it the first time. And uh, so I had, and the thing is, if you fail it the first time, you have to wait, uh, I think like a semester and a half to retake it. And so I had to fill that semester with more theater credits uh, because I didn't know what else to do. So I took like all these design courses and uh, which were great. I learned a lot, but it was, it wasn't until then that I got into this education program the second time. And, uh, and then it takes about a year and a half to complete. And um, you know what? I didn't think I would like it. And I ended up loving it because I was teaching middle school theater Mm. And it's so amazing just to middle school is like a mixed bag. Like you, they, they either hate something or they love something. There's no in between. And so there's the people, there's kids that love theater and love acting. And there's the people that are like, I'm in this class cause I just want an easy a. Right. And so when you have that mixed bag, you kind of, you kind of have to reach deep into your theater pockets and be like, do I love what I'm doing? <laughs> right, and, right. Um, or like, do I love this thing called theater? And you know, I found uh, a lot of myself through teaching and you know, what I really admired about theater and how, what it brought up in me. Um, and so, you know, that was a, an important lesson for sure. And uh, yeah, and I finished in um, 2017. And then you, and is that sort of around the time when you were doing your BA that you sort of got connected to the Liberty and Company of Fools? Yeah, so during, uh, during I, f I forget what year I was. I think I was a, a junior or a, so a sophomore in college. But Company of Fools um, came and were doing uh, local auditions for Peter and the Starcatcher. Um, they already cast, I think, the majority of, of the play. They were looking for the Lost Boys and Peter. And uh, our, the chair of the BSU department brought in um, uh, John Glenn and, um, and we did uh, like on-site um, auditions for the Lost Boys and, um, and, and Peter and my friend Cameron Needham uh, got the part of Peter. And then uh, two of us, one graduated and one in, and, and me, uh, got Prentice and um, 
Oh no, his other, the his other name. One. The other one. The other one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now I feel bad that I can't remember his name. But uh, the two Lost Boys and Peter were cast. And um, and another BSU alum was cast as well. So, and that was 2014. Yeah. 2013, 2014. Yeah. And so after, uh, so after you graduated and you, would ca- you came here to work with uh, the Fools, you decided, yeah, I, I'm I, California, L.A., Time to time to hit an MFA program. Yeah, actually, it didn't come until much later because I, why I loved Peter and Starcatcher so much. I was like, oh my gosh, professional theater—that's so fun. Um, especially you get paid for doing what you love. So I, that never happened to me until then. Uh, and so I finished uh, BSU, and it wasn't until my last year where I was like, you know what, what if, what if I didn't end my education? What if there's still more to learn? And you know what, doing education, (laughs) uh, going through the program, I realized how much I did not know what I wanted to know about theater. And you know, that's, you know, that's a discipline thing. Like I can just sit down and read and, you know, which is, I, I like to do, but I feel like there were some like there were there were core things that I was missing out on that I thought an MFA program could fill, and so you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'll look around, and um, I found a UCLA site, and you know, I, I admired this actress uh, Emily Rose, who's a um, she's she's the main actress in Haven, and she uh, she she was a voice actor in the Uncharted game series. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of Uncharted. Um, but, uh, yeah, I looked up to her and, uh, she went to UCLA, got her MFA. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll check it out. And, you know, they list all the things that you're going to learn through the course. And one of them was like motion capture. I was like, oh my God. Cause I love, I love video games. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big gamer. And, you know, growing up, you see the technology evolving, evolve and, you know, motion capture has become uh kind of almost essential in video games to create a a powerful performance and you know uh well-known actors are coming out and going into video games to perform um so i thought that was like a key thing that i wanted to learn um but there were so many things that you know the ucla ucla site uh, uh kind of boasted about which got me very very excited and so during my last year, I decided to apply for the Erdas, which is this uh, huge audition program where all these MFAs, uh, MFA programs around the country uh, go to these locations, go to New York, they go to Chicago, and they go to San Francisco to see uh, all of these uh, students that want to be in their programs. And so they kind of like, like uh, um, bring them into one space, and all the MFA programs watch uh, actors and then they call them back and they do that through January through March. And um, I did mine in Chicago and uh, UCLA was interested. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and um, they were the only one to accept me. So I was very fortunate. It was like, it's like destiny. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I hope it's meant for something. <laughs> I That's amazing. Counts. I yeah. mean, I, I, I'm super, I, I think it's very smart. I, I think, you know, 
understanding that being a professional actor, particularly uh, now, right? Like everyone's sort of trying to rethink what it all means at the moment, but right. you know, keeping yourself open for things like voiceover work or doing voiceover mm-hmm. work for video games. I mean, some mm-hmm. of these, you know, I, there's a ton of really super successful actors who are now, you know, making a great living by being voice actors on video games and on animation and all that kind of stuff so i think it's very wise good job you yeah well i mean i hope it works out because like that's that's one of my dreams to become a voice actor and for a like a very popular video game like legend of zelda or last of us or you know any of these major companies that make these video games like oh how amazing because i i grew up with them so to be a part of them that's just that's wild to me so and, and that's that's awesome i am also a big gamer so yeah oh I, uh, really we can yeah. talk about video games <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> we'll, sorry, we'll do that on the, we'll do that on the foolish voices video games edition because yes let's make a know, whole new podcast oh my gosh actors are all a bunch of dorks and so many of them are also really into video games so we could i love down. it we could I do an entire it. podcast just critiquing the voice acting skills of various characters you know in video games. i'm all about it I'm it's niche. All about it. It's niche, but people might dig it. You know, um, let's create it. Exactly. I'm on it. Uh, <laughs> so as you sort of contemplate, you know, you've got another year in your MFA program, and I'm sure you're surrounded or at least virtually surrounded by a lot of, of other actors who are, who are and film students and directors and all that kind of stuff. What what's the vibe around kind of the future of our art form? I mean, what what are you and your colleagues as emerging theater professionals? What are you? How are you feeling about it all? Are you scared? Are you hopeful? Yeah, well, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a I'm a pretty optimistic person. So I my opinion might you know be polar opposite of someone else in the program, uh, but going through this program you realize there's a lot of holes in the business and how lucky people really are when they make it um and you know it's kind of deflating as a person like who loves the art form and who loves to make you know good art and people that are making the most money from it are not (laughs) i don't know the word but like do not appreciate it as much as you know people that go to school forever for it mm-hmm. um so it, it's it's kind of it's it's a mixed bag but i think going to school for it and and learning that you know the 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 art form is always changing the world's always changing like a language like our language changes every day our inter in, interpretations of language changes every day and so that you know that changes the art form that changes everything that we how we view things um and so i'm i'm pretty optimistic in the way that you know however i find in a way in is the way that i find it and it it that's all that matters um my way is is my way and someone else's is someone else's way um uh i don't know it's just I lost my train of thought. But it's okay. It was like, it's a big question. It's it is a, really, a big question. Really big and question. I, I feel like I'm answering 12 questions at once. So that's not helpful. So I apologize. Uh, but I'm optimistic for the future because we as human beings are amazing and we can do amazing things. 
And uh, when, we, when we have limits put on us, we find the best way to utilize those limits. And that's something we've learned in, uh, in um, viewpoints, Suzuki and viewpoints, um, where you know, you're, giving, you're given a vocabulary and you have to find a way to express the vocabulary without breaking it. And so in the world that we are in today, in this, you know, we're forced to use technology to express our, our art, but we are finding amazing ways to express ourselves even in the most limited frame and the limited one inch by one and a half inch margins on our screen. Like if we can do that, then anything is almost, almost possible. So that gives me hope, I guess. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think I often, I often sort of go back, you know, a lot of my colleagues who are artistic directors or producers, they are just like, oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I go, look, right. you know, if there's anybody who's going to figure this out, it's the theater geeks, right? Like we, right. we are better equipped to deal with this than almost any other industry on the planet. We've been through stuff like this before. We can make yeah. a dollar look like a million. We can tell oh, stories any place. Right? Yeah, that's that's good. Um, so, and I agree with you. I think I think as an actor, it's interesting to sort of think about this this idea that a lot of actor training is about obstacles and barriers and how you overcome them. Right? Like that's right. so much about textual analysis and the over you know the sort of arc of the story and character objectives and all that kind of stuff um i hadn't i hadn't sort of done that math that actors can't could be sort of pointed in the direction of this is an obstacle how do you use that how do you what does that do for you how can you get around that what is that that's that so interesting you? yeah well you brought that's it up so interesting because <laughs> that that just reminds me of like um we have uh, a professor, John Jory, who teaches acting. And uh, he, he, you know, he's written all these books about like tips for actors. And, you know, he's an amazing person. But the one thing that he said that reminds me of this is like, you know how you become from a C plus actor to an A actor? And we're like, what? And he's like, you have to be interested in the conflict. You have to be interested in the problem. Because once you're not interested in the problem, the stakes are here and we don't care to watch you anymore because, you know, we're not watching a story. We're just watching your wheels turn as an actor. Who cares? So once you become interested in the conflict and the problem, oh my gosh, your C plus acting comes, to, comes up to here. And you know, that's just one example. But like, if we're interested in the obstacle that we're given right now, you can we can create so much and we will be happy about the outcome from it because we're interested so much um so that's interesting yeah i, didn't I think, I think that is really interesting i think that i think it's a really compelling argument for you know i as i sort of mentioned i think you probably know there's there's a lot of online content being thrown out there and you know somebody emailed me a couple week ago and they're like we're doing Hamlet online. I'm like, no, Ooh. I don't. I, I, uh, I just, uh, I'm not interested. I can't, I can't just, I mean, doing Hamlet is fine, but just doing Hamlet online, I don't want to watch a Zoom performance of Hamlet, right? Right, um, right. Now, if somebody had said, we're planning to do a production of Hamlet that 
explores the barrier of connection to the audience that we are facing as artists because we're not in the same space and what does it mean to have this be in a Zoom call? My ears would prick up a little bit more, right? right? Um, yeah. Because I, that that shows me that the artists are interested in the conflict or interested in the problem. Yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's really smart. And I want every actor who's listening to this, who's like, let's do the seagull online. I want you to remember right. that your acting will go from a C plus to an A if you are <laughs> much more interested in engaging with the problem and the conflict. Yeah, like you know, be transparent, be, be open that, you know, this is hard, you know, the seagull is hard anyway, but doing it on Zoom, you know, the audience isn't dumb, we're watching you too on Zoom. And so once you acknowledge that uh, that's an obstacle, how much more interesting is it to watch? Right. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, uh, oh, I had one more thing. I think it, it kind of relates to the to the idea of conflict, um, but this idea, like when I was doing um, the rover, um, I I had a lot of trouble with it because I I'd never really played a lead role before, not like a title role before, and there was there was just a lot of pressure, and I didn't know how to handle it, and I thought I was doing everything incorrectly. And I, I was kind of like, I was not doing well. And um, I have a voice teacher named na uh, Rod Menzies, who's quite brilliant. And, um, you know, he always has profound things to say. And so after class one day, I went to him and I asked, uh, so, you know, Rod, I'm, I'm having trouble with, with the rover. I, I always feel like I'm doing things wrong or I'm... I'm not headed in the right direction. I'm not doing what the director wants, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm scared to go to rehearsal. And, uh, and you, you know what, he, 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 he looked at me. He's like, yeah, I understand. And then he, he just went straight into it. He's like, do you know the Chinese, how the Chinese uh, define uh, fear? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, they define it as danger and or opportunity. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, he's like, because you can either have, you know, danger affect you and your fear affect you. But once you acknowledge that it's there, you kind of open a path for yourself and you find the light within the dark. And there's, there's an opportunity, there's a breakthrough that you can find as a person once you acknowledge and, 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 and take fear head on and you just, you find a, a separate path that makes you grow as a person. And I'm like, Oh my God, Rod, shut up. And then I, <laughs> shut I, up. I, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> I don't need you. <laughs> and then, um, you know, what? I, 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 I took that to heart and, um, you know, I found a lot of cool things in rehearsal and I, 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 I it kept getting easier to go every day. So, you know, there's That's some great. Menzies for you. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think it's a super important for all of us in the industry to sort of realize that what we're feeling is a sense of danger and uncertainty, but that at the same time we are trained. Our entire art form is about overcoming those obstacles and about finding mm -hmm. our ways around it. And yeah. <clears throat> that this is an opportunity for us to hone our craft. Yeah. And it's, a, and, a, and it's an opportunity to be thoughtful 
Mm. Right. Like it's, you know, I say to actors all the time, it feels like a generic choice, right? That, that feels like a generic choice. Can you make a more specific choice? And if what our, if our response to this as artists is a generic response, it's way less interesting and way less compelling. And it's ultimately going to be way less successful Mm -hmm. than a super heightened, very specific, you know, contextualized choice that, that is about addressing this specific moment. So, um, yeah. yeah, I love that. I think that was, I think that's real smart. So good job you and good job UCLA Hooray. for training you to be such a smart and insightful actor. I uh, hope it continues. I hope so too. It sounds great. Um, it has been a great pleasure talking with you, as well. you David Kepner. My name is Scott Palmer. I'm producing artistic director of Company of Fools. And if you have enjoyed my conversation with actor David Kepner, please consider supporting Foolish Voices by donating to Company of Fools online via our podcast platform or at our parent organization, that is the Sun Valley Museum of Art, on their website at svmoa.org. As I said, I've been talking with David Kepner. He's a foolish actor. He's part of the Foolish family. He's performed with Company of Fools on the Liberty stage in a production of Peter and the Starcatcher, and he is currently living in West Hollywood, where he is completing his MFA in theater at UCLA's Theater, Film, and Television Program. Thank you so much for joining us, and will you please just keep me posted and let us all know how you're doing, and if you know, if you actually finish your degree or if UCLA figures it out. I will let you know firsthand. Awesome. I love it. And make sure you say hi to the parrot and keep petting those dogs. I will. I will. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much.